0: My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. Today's lesson is going to be called Intimacy with God Through Secret Prayer. I'm going to teach you exactly and precisely how to develop a prayer habit or how to develop intimacy with Jesus, or we could even call it how to develop your own personal devotional time. Now, right from the beginning, I just want to say to you that as we approach this message, I don't want you to think that you are not able to develop this prayer time because you need lots and lots and lots and lots of time. I want you to approach this prayer time with the the mindset that you're going to begin with 15 minutes of your time per day And as I show you how to enter into the presence of God, you can set your goal at one hour a day, but I don't want you to reach too far or you're going to quit right from the beginning. It's just like a person when they make a decision that they're going to become, uh, they're going to get in better shape by going to the gym. And they go to the gym, and right from the beginning, they want to be on that treadmill for an entire hour. And they start out really strong, and then they find out that an hour is just way too much. Well, the same thing holds true with developing your prayer life and developing your devotional time with Jesus. You want to begin right where you are. And therefore, I say, and when I teach on this it's important that we just begin with 15 minutes. Set that as your goal. The Bible says in Job chapter 8, verse 7, Though my beginnings be small, in the end it will greatly increase. So your time with God as you continue in that habit of prayer will definitely increase. We also want to talk about habit, time with God and and developing this kind of intimacy through secret prayer is a habit and a lifestyle that can be developed. Aristotle once said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. A minister by the name of Mike Murdoch said, habit is a gift. Anything you do twice becomes easier. Anything you do five times becomes easier. God uses habit to stabilize your life. For example, he said, Daniel prayed three times a day. David prayed seven times a day. Jesus, the Bible says, as his custom was, went into the synagogue. If I see what you do daily, he said, I can predict your future. So, we're going to talk about how to develop this secret plate, the secret kind of prayer, this prayer habit. And just remember, my friend, you are as close to God as you want to be. And it takes time and discipline and purpose and devotion to develop prayer, the secret kind of prayer. As a matter of fact, prayer goes from sacrifice to a joy, from a desire to a discipline. And to a delight. So I just want to encourage you right from the beginning as we talk about developing this type of prayer. I want to encourage you just to begin where you are. Understand you have a desire for prayer. Understand that it's going to be a sacrifice to enter in. And then understand that there's going to be a discipline to it. But in the end there's going to be a lot of joy. And you will get your reward. So let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Mark chapter 4. It says here in verse 33 and with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He is Jesus and he was teaching the multitudes and he would gather the multitudes and he would teach them many things about the kingdom of God. But the scripture says he taught them as they were able to hear it. In other words, he couldn't teach them everything That he knew about kingdom principles. He couldn't teach them everything he wanted to teach them. Because their capacity for that kind of teaching wasn't to the place that it should be. But I want you to listen to what this scripture says. Verse 34 says, But without a parable he did not speak to them, speaking of his disciples, and when they were alone the scripture says he explained or he expounded all things to his disciples. Now when I read this scripture, it reminds me of my relationship with God. For example, we could go to a church service and we could sit in a church service and we hear the minister teaching us and he's expounding the scriptures to us and then we go home. But then there's a place in God where you say to yourself, I want more than just a Sunday morning service. I want more than just going to church a couple of times a week. I want more of God. And that's where developing the prayer habit comes in. That's where developing secret time alone with God comes in. And you can develop this kind of prayer right in your own home. As a matter of fact, The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are the house of God. So we don't have to go to a physical house to pray or a physical house to worship God. We individually are the house of prayer. So any time and any place we can enter into the place of prayer and we can develop intimacy with God through our devotion time. And that's what this message is all about. So we're talking about in this teaching, time alone with Jesus, how to develop intimacy with him in the secret place, alone time with him. Now, let's take our other verse that we've enjoyed reading from, from Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verse 5. Now, Jesus is teaching them how to pray. And he says here in verse 5, and when you pray, I want you to notice it didn't say, he didn't say, and if you pray, he figured that anybody who really wants to go after him is going to want to pray. I think sometimes what the problem is people want God and they want to know God. They just don't know how. So Jesus is saying, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites are, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said they have their reward. In other words, public assembly, public praying, everybody's doing it in front of people. But Jesus said concerning you, and I believe God is talking to you or you wouldn't be listening to this teaching today. You're hungry for God. You want more of God and you want to be intimate with God. Well, the Bible says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. So Jesus is saying, and he's speaking directly to you. He says, and when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who sees in the secret place and your father who sees in secret, he will reward you openly. So we're talking about time alone with Jesus, time alone with God. And he says here in this scripture, when you pray, this is how you should do it. You should go into this scripture. This translation says, you should go into your room. And when you have shut the door, your father, which sees in secret, another translation says, when you pray, you can go into your closet and shut the door. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now that word closet in the Greek, remember we've taught you that the Bible is written in Hebrew and in Greek. That word closet is translated. It denotes any private room, any secret chamber or inner chamber. This is the place of privacy. So Jesus says when you pray, find a quiet room, find a private room, go into a secret chamber, Instead of going to public meetings and being in a crowd of people, find yourself a secret place and go into that place and pray to your Father who sees in secret and He will reward you openly. Now, we can't see God with our natural eyes, right? We can't see Him with our physical eyes. But in our spirits, we can see Him. We can behold Him. And we can get to know him. But this kind of intimacy, like we said, is only developed in the secret place. Now, Jesus is our example in prayer. He's our example in prayer. And he too had a private life of prayer. How do you know? Because the Bible says that he would withdraw into a solitary place into another scripture says he would go into the wilderness. Uh, The Bible says after he sent the multitudes away, he would even go up into a mountain apart by himself and he would pray. And when evening was come, he was there, the Bible says, alone. So Jesus practiced this kind of prayer. He practiced um, having time alone with his father. No matter how famous he became, no matter how many miracles he performed, he always, the Bible says, withdrew and went into a private place and he prayed unto his father the beauty of prayer is this god hears you when you pray when you pray the father says my eyes are open and my ears attentive and i hear those things that you are praying when you pray your prayers are not falling on deaf ears god hears you when you pray and your prayer produces results Leonard Ravenhill once said, the secret of praying is praying in secret. Arthur Murray also said, oh, let the secret place of prayer become to me the most beloved spot on earth. As a matter of fact, as you develop this kind of prayer, which I'm going to teach you exactly how to do it, what happens is the more you enter into the presence of God and the more you seek to know him, Not only are you going to find him and come to know and understand who he is, but you're going to find that you're going to develop what I would call a craving for prayer. In other words, if you don't pray that day or if you missed your devotional time, you'll feel like you're missing something. You'll feel like, you know, something like your spirit wasn't fed like it should. It's just like working out. If I miss a few days at the gym, what happens is my muscles start to crave exercise. The same thing holds true with your prayer time. If you've missed a few times of of your devotional times with God, what happens is you begin to crave him and want to, to come back into that place. So secret prayer is very important in our developmental place as a Christian. Now, he says, when you pray. Your Father who sees in secret, he will reward you openly. What are some of the rewards that we can experience from secret prayer? Well, first and foremost, I think it is the fact that we become closer with him. The Apostle Paul said, My my purpose for living is that I may know him, that I may become deeply and intimately acquainted with him. And and as we spend time in the presence of God, the greatest reward that I feel we can get is that we develop that intimacy and that closeness with God. So when we pray and we leave that place of prayer, we leave with something deposited on the inside of us. We leave with that connection. We leave with that knowing that God is with us. I know that vitally, He is with us. And through the scriptures, we know He'll never leave us or forsake us. But when we leave that place of prayer, we leave with, the, the, with that just knowing that, 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 he's yes, he's vitally with me, but I just, I feel so much closer to him. And that to me is one of the greatest rewards, is to be intimate with him. What is another reward? Well, I feel that you will also have a greater uh, essence of the presence of God on your life. The Bible says that we as Christians, we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So when we leave that place of prayer, Revelations 5.8 says that when we pray, our prayers go up before the throne of God. And the Bible says that our prayers are held in golden bowls. And the incense are the prayers of the saints. So when you pray, your prayers are going up before the throne of God. And it's like an incense in his presence. And therefore, when you leave that place of intimacy with God in that, 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 that private place, you're leaving with the fragrance of Jesus all over you. Now, you can't see it. You can't even feel it. But there's something different about a man and a woman who spend time in the secret place of prayer with God. They have an essence about them. They have a fragrance about them. They have an anointing about them and they have a love about them. They have a sensitivity about them. So the rewards are great. The rewards are great, but I believe that the most, the best reward is that we can have that deep and intimate fellowship with God that he wants us to have because he created us for fellowship. So we are different when we walk in that place of secret prayer. And we should be different because, and we should have more of the fruit of love because the word of God says, you will know them by their fruits. And prayer produces intimacy with the one you pray to, the one you pray for, and the one you pray with. And when you pray to God, the scripture says you're changed and you're changed into the same image from glory to glory as you behold him and as you seek his face. And I think prayer is one of the most changing experiences that we could ever know. And I believe that most of us need to be changed because some of us at times we go through hard times and hard times either make us bitter or it makes us better. And when we get back into that place of prayer and we seek the face of God, if we've had a hard heart and we've had unforgiveness against somebody, well, you're beholding the God of love. And guess what happens? You're being changed into that same image. So therefore, you're able to love the unlovely. You're able to forgive that person that was mean to you. Prayer changes things. The first thing that prayer changes is you. And God knows we need to be changed. Prayer changes others. As you pray and as you intercede for people, prayer will change that person that you're praying for. Not only that, my friends, but prayer changes your world. So there's many things that prayer produces, but let's go back to talking about secret prayer. So we're talking about time alone with Jesus. Now, as we enter into this teaching, I want to get right into the fact That when you pray, there's either a righteousness consciousness or there's what I would call a sin consciousness. Okay? It's all about how you enter into that place of prayer. Do you enter in with a sin consciousness or do you enter in with a righteousness consciousness? We can look at Adam and Eve and I'm going to read the scripture out of Genesis chapter 3 verse 16. It says here... Genesis chapter three, actually verse six through 13, it says, here we see the fall of Adam and Eve. So when the Adam or when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, the Bible says she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband and he ate. This is the place where they disobeyed God. This is the place where they chose to eat the, of, of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat. And what happened as a result of their disobedience? The Bible says that the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig trees or leaves together and they made themselves covering. So the minute they sinned, the Bible says they covered themselves up. Prayerlessness is actually a form of hiding from God. But as we enter into this teaching, I want you to know today that you don't have to hide from God. You don't have to cover yourselves up. That's sin consciousness. And we'll find out why in a minute. And verse 8 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Again, that's sin consciousness. They disobeyed. They did something God told them not to do, and immediately they covered themselves up. Now they're hiding from the presence of God. And verse 9 says, And the Lord God called to Adam, and he said, Where are you? Where are you? See, I believe as believers, there's times that God is calling us to himself. He's calling us out of this world system and out of the cares of this world, and he wants us to come to him. Many of us are laboring, we're heavy laden, and God is calling us. And I think sometimes we just get so busy, we don't have any room for God. Well, I want, to, I want this teaching to encourage you to make room for God. When you hear Him calling you and saying, I want you to come to me. I want you to be close to me. I want you to respond to that inward love, that inward pull that you have. It says here in verse 10, And so he said, I heard your voice. This is Adam's response. I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The faith and the confidence that Adam and Eve had towards God was reversed. It was a 360 degree turn. And the faith that they had was now turned into fear. Suddenly they were afraid of God. The God who created them, the God who loved them, the God who wanted to spend time with them, the God who came down to to fellowship with him. They were afraid. And so God says, what? I mean, I I have to just put myself in in God's thinking for just a moment. He says, what? Who told you you were naked? And then he knew, have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, (laughs) Yeah. We, anybody that knows the Bible knows what's coming next. And the man said, The woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Another, in other words, right from the beginning, you know, and the man said that, God, you know, it's the woman's fault. It's her fault. You know what? She gave me the, of, the, of the tree and I, I ate the fruit. And He automatically started blaming the woman. But then the woman said to God, and the Lord said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman said to God, she was honest with herself. She was honest with what happened. And he, she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. In other words, she confessed her fault. She confessed her sin. She was honest before God. She fell. She was separated from God. And that's how the whole that's how the whole sin of humanity came into being through the Adam and Eve's transgressions. So that's sin consciousness. What is sin consciousness? Sin consciousness is, you know, when you go into prayer and you have the need to cover yourself. Sin consciousness is you hear the sound of the Lord God calling you to prayer, or calling you into intimacy with Him, and instead of having confidence toward Him, you're afraid. What else is sin consciousness? You hide yourself. Well, What we need to do when we're developing the secret, secret developing in the secret place of prayer, instead of having a sin consciousness, what we need to go into this place of prayer is with a righteousness consciousness. What is a righteousness consciousness? How should we approach God? Number one, we must believe that He is. Hebrews 11, 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when we enter into this place of secret prayer, first of all, we must believe that he is. We must have an understanding of who God is and his character is, and that will cause confidence in prayer, that'll cause us to have, uh, uh, have, have, the, uh, have confidence that when we go into this place of prayer, He won't reject us. He'll be there for us. He'll hear us. We could trust Him. What else is righteousness consciousness? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21 says that when a person is in Christ, He is a new creation. Another translation says a new person inside. All things pass away and all things become new. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made different, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What is righteousness? What does that mean? Righteousness is right standing with God. Right standing with God. When you have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are right with God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when he looks at you, he sees the finished work of Jesus. And therefore, my friend, there is no need to fear and there is no need to hide. You can go, what the Bible says, boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace to help in your time of need. You don't have to run. You don't have to hide. You don't have to fear. You are a son or a daughter of almighty God. And there is no need for you to pull away from him. We have a lot of Christians. They pull away from God because they're afraid in Jesus in Christ. You don't have to pull away. You're a new creation. You are now a member of the family of God and God will forever be your father. So as we approach God, we should approach him with boldness, as the scripture says. We should approach him with confidence, as the scripture says. I decided to look up this word boldly in Hebrews 4, 16. I'm going to read it again. It says, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Do you know what that word boldly means? I looked it up from two sources. I looked it up from Webster's and then I looked it up in the Greek. Webster's Dictionary says fearless, taking liberties, taking liberties. Shameless. Well, Margie, you know, I, I am ashamed because I really messed up and I did something wrong, and I want to develop intimacy with God in the secret place of prayer, but I'm afraid because I committed some ex some sin. Well, as a believer, the Bible says in 1 John 1 9, and this is a scripture I've used countless times in my 35-something years of being a Christian. It says in that scripture, are you ready? I want you just to think about this. I want you just to listen to what I'm saying. I'm asking you to open up your heart and hear what I'm going to say to you because the Bible says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. I want you just to listen to what the Spirit of God wants to say to you through this verse. If we confess our sin... whatever it is that you did, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. And the scripture says, if you'd read it and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, that means the moment you confess your sin, God is faithful. He's just, he's true to his word. And the minute you confess it, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness because of the blood of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. That means you can now stand before God without a sense of sin and failure. You could stand before God with what the Bible says, clean hands and a pure heart. And the scriptures also say that you are justified Through Jesus Christ, that word justified means just as if you never sinned. So in Christ, you are clean through the words I'm speaking to you right now. You confess your faults, you confess your sins before God. He's faithful and just to forgive you. And you can go back into that place of having that righteousness consciousness as you seek to develop your prayer time with God. That's just a trick of the devil. I can tell you that right now. I've had it happen over and over and over and over again where I wanted to seek God and I made a certain time I was going to pray and that night before, you know, something would happen and I'd get, you know, whatever, mad at somebody or be driving in New Jersey here on the streets and somebody would just you know, upset the apple cart and drive like a lunatic and then I'd get mad and then I'd go into prayer because I want God. I want to seek him and he's what I want and I want to be close to him and intimate with him and that's my heart's cry and that's my devotion. I want to be close to him and I go into prayer, into, into that place of prayer and the next thing I know, I got this slot in my mind. Well, you remember when you got angry at the person that was driving and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? If I confess my sin and I go before the Father, I said, Father, i have just coming before your throne of grace. I got angry and I got mad and I shouldn't have said that or shouldn't have done this, that, or whatever the case may be. And you know what, immediately that sin is forgiven. It's the accuser of the brethren that keeps bringing it up to you. Remember that. Remember this, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And Satan is jealous of your relationship with God. And right from the book of Genesis, he was wiggling his way into their intimacy with the Father God. And it's the same devil that's at work in the earth today. He goes about as a roaring lion and he is jealous of your intimacy and your relationship with God. So what he does is he brings up your past. He brings up all the things you did and all the things that you've done wrong, especially when you enter into that place of prayer. He brings it all up. And what he wants to do is condemn you and keep you from prayer and condemn you. And I've seen people do it over and over. They get into prayer, they start hearing that condemnation, and then they end up just leaving that place of prayer, discouraged and defeated. Now, do you think that was God who didn't want you to seek his face? That was the enemy that was the enemy tormenting you and the Bible calls him the tormentor so I just want to encourage you I'm not giving you a license to sin or say just go do whatever you want to do I'm not saying that because we're sin you know I'm not saying that what I'm saying is if you do sin confess it to the Lord and and Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ so when it comes up Just say, you know what, devil? Because that's the enemy. Or it may just be your insecurities. When that comes up, just say, I already confessed it. My father doesn't remember it, and I don't have to remember it. As a matter of fact, it says in Psalms 103, I don't know where the exact reference is, but it says in that scripture, as a father pities his children, so does your father, heavenly father, pity you. As far as the east is from the west... That's how far your sins have been cast away from you. In other words, there's, it, it's gone forever. And you don't have to think about it anymore. So, boldly, the Greek word, and then we're going to close. And we're going to talk later on in our next session on how to develop the practice of secret prayer. That Greek word is P-A-R-R-E-S-I-A. And that word in the Greek says, Absence of fear, in speaking boldly, Confidence, which we all know, but this, this part I thought was really, really interesting in the definition of this word boldly. It says in the Greek, cheerful and courage. So therefore, we can go boldly to the throne of grace. We can go without the absence of fear. We can go with confidence and we can go with cheerfulness and with courage. That's good news to me. I'm going to read it one more time before we close let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So when we pray, and when we approach him, we're not going to go in anymore, are we? With a sin consciousness, we're going to go in with a righteousness consciousness. You are saved and you are washed in the blood of Jesus. And there is no fear any longer in the presence of God. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe God that whatever has kept you from his presence, that you're going to just let it go today. So I'm going to ask that you open up your heart. I kind of sense in my heart that there, somebody's watching this and your heart's closed. And I kept seeing in my spirit your heart being closed. Because I feel like you're thinking that this can't be for you. But it is for you. It's for you. God wants you to open up your heart. There isn't anything that you could possibly do that would ever separate you from the love of God. Tribulation, peril, distress, sword. Read in Romans. Nothing could ever separate you. I want to encourage you to open up your heart to God. He's not your enemy. He's there to help you and he's there to strengthen you. So I want to lead you in prayer. I want you to close your eyes and I'm asking that you open up your heart. And I'm not going to pray until I sense you've opened up your heart. I want you just to open up your heart. Just breathe in and breathe out. I think what we need to do sometimes is we need to say to ourselves is God's word true or isn't it? Maybe that's what you need to do. You need to say to yourself is God's word true or isn't it? I'm here to tell you today that all the promises of God are yes and amen. I'm here to tell you today that God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. What he said, he's going to make good. I'm here to tell you today that the word of God does not return void. But God hastens his word to perform it. And you can trust in his word. So open up your heart. Just accept it. Accept what God says about you. And then go on from there. And don't look back. You got to keep looking forward. And if there's anything that ever causes you to look back, that's not of God. God will never bring up your past. People will do that and the devil will do it. But God will not do that. Let's pray. I want you to close your eyes and just hear the prayer and receive the prayer. Heavenly Father, I just bring this person to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that I believe that they've opened up their heart to you. I pray, Father, that these words that have been taught to them today has gone into the very depth of their soul. And I thank you that it does not return void. I pray in the name of Jesus that you bring all things to their remembrance what they have heard concerning being the righteousness of God in Christ. And I pray that you'd show them what you said to your, said to your people in, the, in the, the children of Israel, that they're the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. I pray that that consciousness would permeate this individual in Jesus' name. And I pray that the eyes of their heart would be opened. And that they would see you in all your goodness and in all your glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project Podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.